Welcome to this edition of the Morrinsville Baptist Podcast. Uh, It's great to have you listening in and we hope that this message comes as a great encouragement and blessing to you. Uh, If you'd like to know any more information about Morrinsville Baptist Church, please check out our website at www.morrinsvillebaptist.com. Kia ora mai te whanau o te atua, nau mai haere mai ki te whare o te atua. Uh, ko Tom, tōku ingua. Um, yeah, it's a real privilege to be here this morning and to see you and for those who are watching at home, um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> strange being distant from half of our congregation but um, it's great to know that God is in, in all those places as well. <clears throat> I believe it's appropriate to say that many of us at the moment, if not all of us, are facing some really challenging decisions um, and really difficult situations. There is a great deal of unrest and confusion in many of our lives, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the anxiety, the fear, you know, the different emotions that are out there at the moment um, that have been drummed up, you know, namely because of COVID and, and the vaccine issue, amongst others. Can I remind you that Satan loves division? He loves to divide. And we're seeing that at you know, all levels of society at the moment. We see nations against nations, and, and in our own country, we're divided from the top all the way down into, in, in many cases, into our families, into our closest relationships. And uh, we're seeing relationships that have been eroded, and, uh, and there's great distress for, for a number. And... Uh, I trust we all feel this to some degree. You know, if not personally, we know of other families who, who are really wrestling to come to a same page or to understand each other. The truth is there are a great many voices out there at the moment, a great many truths or, or mistruths, however you want to look at it. And it's really difficult for us to, to fully understand, to discern what is right and what is wrong. I think it's appropriate to say that. We've spent this year working through the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, this has been an incredible source of truth and foundation for us. And I'd encourage you to continue to read and study the life and the heart of Jesus that we see in the Gospels. It truly is um, a great uh, guide for us. Richard finished with a slide last Sunday that read, Allow your faith to grow, your love to deepen, and let your hope shine. To do that, we must have confidence in our faith. This morning, as we continue through Matthew 14, there there are a number of of different things we could look at in this passage. It's it's a phenomenal passage of Scripture. But there's something that's been on my heart for quite a while. And uh, and, and I think for us, there's a a real simple reminder in how we are to walk in faith. And uh, the title of this suggests that it is in standing firm with our eyes fixed on Jesus. So if you have your Bible, um, I'd ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 14 from verse 13, and I apologise for those who are here, the, um, we, we're having, we, we need to replace the bulb in our projector, so it's, it's looking a little bit blurry and distant. As I laugh, we laughed about it in the first service, it's not a spec saver ad, it is the, uh, it is the projector, not your eyes. <laughs> so if we read from Matthew chapter 14 verse 13. When Jesus heard about John, he left there privately in a boat and went to a secluded place. But when the crowds heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. 
When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When evening came, the disciples came to him and said, This is an isolated place and the hour is already late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up towards heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up twelve full baskets of the leftover broken pieces. There were about 5,000 men who ate, besides women and children. Immediately, he directed the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, while he, went, while he sent the crowds away. After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from land, tossed and battered by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter replied to him, Lord, if it is really you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was frightened, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus extended his hand and caught him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they crossed over, they went ashore at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word throughout all the surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. And they begged him to let them merely touch the fringe of his robe. And all who touched it were perfectly restored. Amazing passage of scripture, isn't it? Imagine being there. Hmm. Standing firm with our eyes fixed on Jesus. What I'm talking about here in terms of standing firm, I'm talking about being able to walk in faith knowing that we are where God has called us to be. And maybe a way to test that is we could ask ourselves, are we where God has called us to be at this time? Now I recognise that that could be a really difficult question to answer for some people. So maybe a simpler question would be to ask, how often do we allow God to have place in our decision making? How often do we bring our troubles or the things in our life to God and give him the chance to direct us and lead us in those things? Some of you may be sitting there thinking, like, that's all well and good, but I don't even know how to hear from God. What does God sound like? How does he speak to me? And the, the reality is, the only way that we learn to hear what God has to say is by prioritizing time with him and spending time with the Father. And we see that in this passage. We see it twice, where Jesus withdraws from the crowds and on one occasion he withdraws away from the disciples as well to spend time alone with the Father. 
And on the screen you'll see that there are a number of occasions, just a few of the times in the Gospels where we see Jesus go away by himself to spend time with the Father. And there are a number of reasons why, but ultimately it's because Jesus understands or he recognises the importance of what it is to spend time with God. In Mark and Luke's account of, of the same story, Jesus actually encourages the disciples to go to withdraw as well. So this isn't something just for Jesus, this is for us. And I guess if we call ourselves Christians, that is, if we desire to be Christ-like, to live that way, we want to follow the example of Christ, eh? And so there's something here and and a need to take time to prioritise God in our lives. Excuse me. There is merit in removing ourselves from distractions and noise and giving God our full focus and the word of God complete authority. There's, um, there's a verse that's, that's quite near to, to many of our hearts, and it's, it's James 4.8, which simply says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I think we all recognise that um, to, to develop a relationship or to get to a place where we can understand someone or hear them, we need to spend time with them. For... for um, by way of an example, I, I had a friend, well, he's still a friend, um, <clears throat> by the name of Nick, and we, we played in a band together. But before that, we, we, we studied together, we lived together, we actually travelled, um, we did mission work over in, in Thailand together. Um, we'd, we'd done a lot together and we grew to know each other really well. And um, <clears throat> the reason I tell this story, excuse me, I'm just going to keep, <clears throat> keep you in suspense. We, um, we were playing a gig in, in Waihee, and as a band, we'd, we'd played a lot of music together, but there came a point where Nick decided, as the front man, as they do, I don't know how many of you have played in a band, but front men just do their own thing a lot of the time. Hey, Joe. Well, front, front woman in our case. Hey, Joe. Joe's not a woman. I'm referring to our band. I'm just digging a hole now. He decides that he's going to play a song that none of us had practiced. We knew the song, but we hadn't practiced it much. And uh, as we're going through, I look at Pete, our drummer, and then look at Tony, our bass player, and at the end of the song, we all kind of crack up because we got to the end without any mistakes whatsoever. We managed to transition into the different sections, uh, which seemed by chance, but not by chance at all. We knew Nick so well that the way he wiggled his foot or, or, his, or his bottom or, um, or the different changes in his voice, we knew where he was going to go. And uh, we knew him so well that we, we, could in, we could interpret his communication without actually seeing his face or, or hearing his voice. I don't know how many of you have turned up at home. Um, this happened to me a lot when I was a young adult and I was craving some real food, not flat food. And I'd turn up at home and mum would look at me and she'd say, is everything all right? What's going on? And I'd be like, nah, mum, everything's fine, just relax. But nine times out of ten, a couple of days later, I'd realise that mum was onto something that even I hadn't recognised. There was something going on in my life. And you might know this with your own family, that when you see, or, or close friends, you can discern, you can see in them that something's going on without even communicating it, without even talking. And it's the same when we spend time with God, we learn to hear him in, in all manner of ways. Clearly, in the word of God, we can hear him very clearly. That's an amazing source to turn to, and if you're not reading your your Bible regularly, you ought to be. But there are so many other ways that we can hear from God. I um, 
when I was at university, um, I went through some really tough times, and um, one of the ways I'd, I'd heard someone talking about dreams, and so I asked the Lord to speak to me through dreams, and, um, and often I'd wake up in the morning and, and I would have had a really clear dream, and as I'm thinking about it, God would just reveal to me things that were super relevant to where I was living at the time, uh, the situations. Just this week, uh, Melissa and I went up to Waiere Falls on Wednesday, and um, I was looking at the river, and I just saw this little stone. It was more like a pebble just sort of rolling in the water. And I was looking at it, and I just thought, Lord, like, I'm seeing that stone. Has anybody else ever seen that stone? And I, I thought, you know, God has seen every single second of every single day that that stone has been in existence. And even if nobody had ever seen it, he'd still take delight in it because it's his creation. I really felt like God said to me at that time, Tom, I see that stone, but I care so much more about you. And I know what the word of God says about his creation, about his children. He loves us dearly. And God spoke to me in creation. He'll speak to us through our friends. He'll speak to us through our imagination, through our thinking. The, the, the thing is we need to spend time with God in order to be able to hear those things. My brother once said to me, he said to me, Tom, do you realize that if we spent enough time with God, we would never have to think again? <laughs> I looked and I said, that's a funny comment. He said, oh, what, what I'm saying is that if we were so close to God and we could hear his voice in the chaos and we could hear it in the silence, if we trusted him enough, we would be able to follow his call in, in everything we do. And I thought, well, that's a really profound thought. At the turn of the 18th century, there was an Englishwoman by the name of Susanna Wesley. Some of you will be aware of, of this remarkable woman. She gave birth to 19 children. I gasped when I read that. Ten of whom survived infancy. So she raised ten children. And she was deeply committed to raising these children in a godly manner. She was known, she's famous for her feats as a homeschooler, and uh, she raised all of her children, both boys and girls, at the same standard, which was unusual at the time, and they had an incredible wide knowledge of, of multiple curriculum, of multiple um, facets of, of education, not to mention a, a very solid biblical knowledge. She committed to, um, to developing her individual relationship with each of her kids. She had 10 of them, and once... A fortnight, she would make sure that she had an hour with each of her children before bedtime for, for serious one-on-one -on -one time, which is it's hard enough with three kids. On top of this, her husband, who worked in the church, was often away, and, uh, and which meant she picked up responsibilities of, of pastoral work within her community. And there's stories about how the lay preachers um, <laughs> weren't that good, and so people would turn up at her house on a Sunday, and she'd have to, she'd have to teach and preach. She also managed a small farm that they lived on. And um, all of these things, there was still one thing she prioritised above it all. And every day she spent two hours in time with the Lord, praying and reading her word. And the way she did this was she sat in her favourite chair and he lift, she lifted up her apron over her head so she was in a sort of tent and she would read and she would pray. And, and her children and those in the village that said to it is said that they knew not to interrupt her during this time because she'd get a little bit toey <laughs> unless it was an absolute emergency. The reason I say this is because here is, a, here is a woman who had every opportunity to blame busyness in terms of why she wouldn't spend time with God. But she doesn't. Busyness is not an excuse for us to not prioritise time with God.
You may not have heard of Susanna Wesley, but I'm sure you've heard of John or, or Charles Wesley. Incredible men who had a profound impact on, on, uh, on the gospel and on the church. Standing firm relates to us having confidence in our faith. And we find confidence when we prioritise time with God and we learn his voice. And we remain in this confidence when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. This account of the disciples in the storm and Peter walking on the water, uh, there's, there's a great lesson here in, in what can happen when we allow the troubles, the things in our lives, the storms, to steal our focus from Jesus. You see, Jesus had given the disciples their destination. He had told them where to go. He had given them their mode of transport. He had insisted that they get in the boat and, and, and go immediately. He had given them the time. Despite the fact that they were in a storm in the, in the early hours of the morning, the disciples were, exactly, were, were, where, they were exactly where they were meant to be, exactly where Jesus had called them to be. Troubles don't necessarily mean that we are in the wrong place or that we are out of God's calling. Sometimes we forget that we are where God has called us. And if we're not prioritising time with him, and if our eyes aren't focused on Jesus, if we allow distractions into our lives, we can forget that we are actually where God had called us to be. And we misinterpret the, the different things around us. Peter, um, in, his, in his doubt, steps out on the water, and there's this incredible story of him walking on water. But what happens is he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink. And one of the things that really fascinates me in this whole passage is what happens next. So Jesus takes his hand and he doesn't lead him to another place. He doesn't lead him to somewhere safe or, or a different destination. What does he do? He puts him back on the boat. He takes him back to the place where he had originally called him. And it's not until he's on the boat that the storm is calmed. Just as a side note, the, um, the story of the disciples in the storm is told in three of the Gospels, Matthew uh, and, and Mark and in, and in John. But it's only Matthew who tells the story of Peter walking on water. I find that fascinating. You know, something that we would consider a really remarkable story. Even though, even though the Gospels, three of them, tell the story, they, they, they omit, two of them omit the story about Peter walking on water. I wonder if, if the reason there is, is because the disciples see that there's a greater lesson going on. Let me read to you from Mark 6, 48. It says that Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And then it says that Jesus intended to go past them. Interesting. I wonder... Um, I wonder if the disciples looked back on this and they, they thought, you know, the, the greatest lesson they could have learned there was that they were actually where they were meant to be and they wished that they'd been able to trust, you know, the faith that they had within to weather the storm and to get through to the other side. You see, storms will come, but true faith is not always walking on water. There's definitely an amazing uh, lesson there in terms of stepping out and trusting God in the impossible when he calls us to step out into a situation that looks impossible and we step out in faith and do what we can do possibly, there's an amazing story here in Peter where God does the impossible and allows him to walk on the water. But I'm saying here that true faith is not always walking on the water. True faith is standing firm in the place that God has called us to be 
even though the storm rages. The lesson we have here is the desperate need we have in keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. How often do we make decisions based on the influence of those around us? How often do we make decisions based on the truth of this world or the truths that come from this world? I just say it's a little bit ironic that we live in a world where <clears throat> it is loudly proclaimed that there's no such thing as absolute truth, yet there seems to be truth coming from every single corner. There is good reason for us to seek out wise counsel and to study widely. I'm not, I'm not debating that. But I want us to realise that the only absolute truth that we can fully trust, the only truth that is unshakable and unchanging is the word of God. And we know that the word of God or the word made flesh is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. And I love what Jesus declares in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. So Jesus says to Pilate that I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. The difference between a decision made on our own merits and a decision made with our eyes fixed on Jesus is that when we follow him, we have an incredible confidence in him to lead us through any storm, even if it appears to be impossible. Let's be honest though, we do make mistakes. I make many. And uh, I like this, you've got, you've got Peter and Jesus is right in front of him. He's in the middle of this incredible, miraculous event where he's walking on water and he decides to allow the storm to steal his focus. You've got the disciples who had, had lived and breathed and spent so much time with Jesus. They would have, I can't even begin to imagine what it would have been like to walk with Jesus. You know, they have all of this, yet they still make the mistake of forgetting to have their eyes on him in this time. What I love is there's a, a real encouragement in this passage as well. Jesus is up on the mountain and he's praying, he's prioritizing time with the Father. And in his compassion, he sees that the disciples are in trouble. He doesn't abandon them. He doesn't leave them. Rather, he comes to them. And then even when, they, when they're gripped with terror, when he sees that, he reassures them using language that they understand. You see, when we prioritize time with the Father, we understand, we hear his voice. And we recognize attributes of the Father. And likewise, when Jesus speaks to the disciples... He's quoting language, he's quoting scripture that they would have understood. He's using language and, and, and phrases that the disciples would have immediately associated with him. Even then, when, when Peter shows doubt, he calls Peter out to him. And when Peter sinks, he takes hold of him. He then, Jesus climbs into the boat and he stays with them until they reach their destination. And even then, he remains with them in ministry. You see, I find it so encouraging that even when we're off course, here is an example of Jesus coming into the midst of the journey and staying until the destination has been reached. Can I read Deuteronomy 31.6? It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So I'd encourage us all to, to look at this passage in Matthew and carefully consider the depth of of our faith. Are we prioritizing time with God? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us to bring convictions in our lives 
Are we standing firm in those convictions? And are our eyes fixed on Jesus? There's, um, there's an awful lot of information out there at the moment and some real polarising things. And uh, I think it's a time for us to really dig into seeking the Lord and learning to hear his voice. I believe things will possibly get harder for us as a church and more and more we need to be able to hear God in the midst of those times. We may have some very difficult decisions ahead of us. We've had some already. And if we don't have the confidence that we can hear God's voice, we need to commit right now to prioritising time with him so that when those times come, we can trust that we're hearing from him. I don't mean this to be discouraging at all, rather the opposite. I think it is so encouraging that in times of uncertainty, we have such certainty, such confidence that we have a God who loves us, who has given us an incredible resource in the Word of God and in the Holy Spirit. He is an amazing God, and, uh, and, he, and he loves us so dearly. If, you, um, if you're like me this morning and, and you feel, <laughs> I'm laughing, sorry, just, I'm just thinking about my week that I've had. If you feel that you need to reassess your priorities so that God takes first place, or if you're struggling with all the noise in your life, and you need to fix your eyes back on Jesus? Or, or can I say, if, if there is a lack of peace in your life about some of the things that you're enduring at the moment, can I encourage you to stand with me now? now we've talked about standing firm, and uh, I'd like to make that practical in a sense. Sometimes we need to step out in faith, <laughs> or sometimes we just need to take a stand. So I'd encourage you, if there are things in your life that you'd like to bring before God this morning, can you stand with me, please? And if you're at home and you feel the same, please stand. I'd, I'd love to pray and, um, and commit this to the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, just, we are so grateful that you are an amazing God who loves us and walks with us. Father, we thank you that you are not far away and that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. We thank you that when we read the word of God and we allow you to speak, you speak in such powerful ways and accurate ways. We thank you for creation. We thank you for each other. We thank you for all the places in this life where if we open our eyes and we look for you, Father, we know that you will speak. Heavenly Father, I pray as written in 1 Peter 5 that you would help us to be well-balanced and self-disciplined, to be alert and cautious at all times. Lord, as we learn to prioritise time with you, help us to learn to hear your voice and discern your leading, uh, sorry, to discern through the leading of your spirit. Lord, please protect us from that enemy of ours, that devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Help us to resist him and to stand firm in our faith, to stand firm against his attack, that we would be established and immovable, knowing that the same battles that we are facing here are being faced by others all around the world. God of all grace, you who imparts blessing and favour, you who has called us to your own eternal glory in Christ, please help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus 
and complete, confirm, strengthen and establish us, making us what we ought to be. To you, O Lord, be dominion or power, authority and sovereignty forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Can I encourage you, you know, we, we have an incredible privilege of, of being able to call ourselves Christians. And I hope that that would reflect the fact that we've given our lives to Jesus Christ. We carry with us a hope that is not of this world. And, um, you know, although we may have some really troubling things that we're working through at the moment, <clears throat> we have a great confidence in an almighty Father. And uh, I think there's no better time for us to be a light in the darkness, to shine brightly. May our hope speak so much to this community that we live in in this world. We need not live in fear because our God is greater than all things. He has seen all of this, everything that we face. He has seen it all and he knows what is to come. And we can take confidence that when we trust in him, he will lead us through those storms. Yeah, may God bless you and keep you. And uh, I just pray this will be a wonderful weekend, week ahead of you. And um, I'm going to hand over to Richard to, to close our time. Thanks, Richard.